Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, the new year has barely begun. And I just got to be honest with you. I've already had enough of the new year, new me stuff. I've just had enough of it. I mean, this is every year, right? You get somebody that posts this semi-long thing on Facebook, and they're definitely going to make the changes this year, right? They're definitely going to do the things that they need to do to take care of themselves, to better themselves, to do all these different things. But all of us know better, right? Like, let's just be real. Like, we know that these people aren't going to make any changes. And so I'm just not really understanding why people are trying to put out there that they want to make these changes, okay? Because most guys, and again, I'm going to pick on the guys because this is a podcast for men. Most guys really don't make changes on a year-to-year basis, right? I mean, it's kind of a funny joke now. Like, ah, yeah, you know, someone does a New New Year's resolution and they're not actually going to stick with it. Ha ha. But at, at what point do we look at that and go, this is kind of unacceptable. This is kind of something that we shouldn't expect of men. We should expect for them to want to get better, to, to do those better things. But but again, we just got to be real with you guys on, on this podcast and in general. And I'm just going to give you a message here from the outset and then we'll kind of get into what we're going to be talking about today. If you're not going to be working out in February... Can you please save room in the gym for people that actually care about their bodies? I mean, you you see gyms all across the country the first two or three weeks of the year are absolutely chock full of all these people that swear that this is the year they're going to stick with it. And February rolls around. It's like, ah, you know, they're out. They're not really going to do anything. Here's the other thing. If if you're going to be eating clean, like in January, but by the time February rolls around, you're going to be eating like chocolate covered pretzels and, you know, uh, drinking gravy to wash it all down. Then don't eat clean in January. You know, my wife and I kind of got into a little bit of a debate the other night and she was just kind of like, well, Hey, you know, if somebody works out for two or three weeks in January and doesn't work out for the rest of the year, that's better than nothing. No boo. That's essentially nothing. I mean, there's nothing physiologically that's going to change that's going to affect the longevity of your life by working out for two or three weeks in January. Because here's the deal. If you quit working out before February, I have this assumption that you probably weren't even working out very hard when you were working out in January. So so again, try to avoid all this new year, new me stuff because it's not real. Because here's the thing that I find really, really funny about this new year, new me stuff. You have these people that make changes and everyone's like, oh my gosh, yeah, you're doing such a great job. That's such, man, I wish I had that kind of discipline. That's so good. But people do it for social media more than they actually do it for themselves. They, they want to get compliments, right? They want people to be like, oh my gosh, you're going to read more books this year, even though that's a very undefinable goal and it's not specific or anything like that. But that's something that they think is really, really important. And then people are going to be like, oh my gosh, that's so great. You're so inspiring and blah, 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 blah. But then is it still inspiring when they don't do it? So there's nothing sexy about discipline, guys. There's nothing sexy about doing the same thing week in and week out and waking up early and working out and being disciplined with your thought life and being disciplined with your family and all that. None of that's sexy. It's not going to make for a great Facebook post 
But it's going to be more tangible than some of the nonsense that I'm seeing spewed already. So I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit, but don't worry. I'll probably get back on it at some point during this podcast. So this podcast, I feel like, is a great way to start the year because I know for a lot of you guys, you are trying to make some changes, to be fair, and you're trying to pick up some different content. Maybe some of you are listening to this podcast for the first time because you're like, all right, I'm going to listen to some podcasts and somehow you stumbled upon this one. And so this first episode, I think, is going to be kind of a seminal episode for what you should be thinking through and how you should be thinking this year. So I'm going to give you guys the top 15 ways to avoid being a crappy man in 2019. Okay. Now that might be some of you like, oh, that's a little forward, or maybe that's too many reasons. Here's the thing, guys. I'm just going to flow on all 15 of these. These are 15 things that I've been thinking about at different times. And to be honest with you, I feel like each one of these 15 things could be its own podcast episode, but I just want to give it to you shotgun style and kind of let you know, Hey, if you're shooting for some ways to improve yourself in 2019, here are some very simplistic ways for you to do that. It doesn't mean that they're going to be easy, but it means that the concepts overall are going to be simple. So let's go ahead and launch into the list here with number 15. Don't pretend you know about something that you don't. Okay. So again, this is going to be kind of a mellow way to start. We're going to work our way all the way down to the most important thing that we think you should do in 2019, the biggest tip for you. But there's a lot of guys out there and I will, I will be 100% honest. Sometimes I fall into this where you pretend to know something that you don't, you, you pretend to know about a subject or about something going on that you don't whether it's current events, whether it's something that's going on in sports, whether it's how to fix this part of your truck, whether it's how to do this move in jujitsu, whether it's how to, you know, close this account uh, or something like that. We all pretend. But the thing about pretending that we have to be real about pretending is lying. So if someone asks you, man, what did you think about the the end of that uh, OU Bama game? What, what did you think about how, you know, the reason that, you know, Bama didn't score, you know, the, the line in Vegas, that was pretty crazy that they didn't score late there, right? I mean, that's a pretty specific thing. And if you didn't watch that game and if you didn't know the line in Vegas beforehand, nothing's going to make sense, but we're all pretty good at BSing, right? We're just going to be like, oh yeah, man, that was pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just totally nuts. The thing for me, um, that I kind of fall into when pretending that I know something is someone goes, Hey, do you know about so-and-so? And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I think so. Which is just kind of weird. Like if I don't know about a specific person, I'm kind of robbing you of the opportunity to teach me about that person or that thing or that building or that book or whatever the thing might be. Let's just be honest and not pretend that if we don't know how to do something, that that is a great opportunity for someone to teach us. And so for me, I've, I've said this several times throughout the podcast, I'm not a terribly handy guy. Like, it's just not something that comes naturally to me. I don't have a super mechanical brain. So there's a lot of guys out there that you just know how to fix stuff. You can just look at something and mechanically it makes sense. And you change this part out and tighten this up a little bit and it just works. That's just not really how my brain works. And, and, and you know, that's something that's kind of been a sore spot for me for most of my life. But sitting there pretending like I know how to fix something or knowing how to do something, it robs me of an opportunity to learn. So number 15, don't pretend you know about something that you don't. Number 14. Don't cancel on people last minute. Okay. In in my world, I get a lot of cancellations and I, I get things like that that happen. But here's the thing in any context, whether this is a friend context, whether this is a professional context or somewhere in between, if you cancel on somebody last minute, it's almost impossible for them to replace that meeting, that appointment, or that get together at the last minute. And okay, so what do I consider last minute? I don't literally mean like the very, very last minute, but for the most part, I'm talking about if you're canceling something same day and you don't have like a personal emergency, it's a little bit strange when you cancel on people last minute. 
And again, you want to be a guy that's dependable. You want to be a guy that people know that, hey, you know, when Kyle says he's going to show up, he's going to show up, right? When he says he's going to get this thing done, he's going to get this thing done. But when you cancel on people and you don't really give them a good excuse, it's just kind of, ah, you know, things came up, something like that. It's not really a good thing for you to do. And it's not really a good way to operate. So number 14, don't cancel on people last minute. Number 13, don't let sports ruin your night. Okay. So guys, I'm going to be talking to you on this one as much as I'm talking to my old self, but I have seen so many grown men let sports that they're watching on television, not even live watching on television, absolutely ruin their night. And I'm kind of being generous because some guys it ruins their week, right? They just can't get past the fact that their team lost. And so here we are. I'm in Edmond, Oklahoma. We're right smack dab in the middle of college football country. Again, people love Oklahoma State and OU. They, they, they just follow everything. And I've literally been at parties and I'm watching grown men and women, people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and maybe older, literally screaming their lungs out as they're watching 18, 19, 20, and 21-year-old boys play a game. And I mean, these are people that don't have like a nuanced background in football either. These are just fans that watch sports and they're screaming at the screen. They're like going nuts when something goes right, going nuts when something goes wrong. And they're just literally living and dying with every single snap. And then when their team loses, kind of like, oh, you got trounced by Bama about a week ago. I mean, then, you know, it just ruins their night, whether they had money on it or not, whether they have a kid on the team or not. And, and it's hard to, to talk to them the next day at work because they're still so frustrated over what happened. Or two days later, maybe you're talking to them at church and they just, they can barely speak. And again, I'm talking to myself here. So one of the biggest changes I've made in, ter- in terms of my maturation as a man from ba- basically my mid-20s to where I am now is to not let sports bother me that much. Because here's the thing. I love my St. Louis Cardinals. I love my Oklahoma City Thunder. I love my Manchester United Red Devils. I, I, I love certain fighters. Like, But when these teams or these people lose, it has nothing to do with me. And, and I remember people saying that because I would just lose my mind, absolutely lose my mind and, and let it ruin my day. But I just looked at how it affected the people around me. Like people didn't really want to hang out with me and watch sports because I would just literally flip out every time something didn't go my way for the team that I was looking at. And the thing was, is it added nothing to my life. So I wouldn't say that I'm less of a fan of any of the teams that I was a fan of up to this point. Like I'm certainly not less of a fan, but I can tell you that I don't let it affect me in the same way, high or low. So when the team gets a big win, it's like, man, that's awesome. I'm really glad my team won. If the team gets a big loss, it's like, oh man, that stinks. But you know, there are bigger things in sports. And so for a lot of guys out there, I know this one's going to hit you square between the eyes. You've got to learn to control yourself, especially if you're around children. You know, I, I've got some buddies that are OU fans and literally just the things they say and do during, during games is absolutely reprehensible. And one thing I'd like to have them do, and I might even suggest it to them, is y'all should take video of you guys while you're watching games. You know, when the kids really aren't around, when it's just the guys together and just play it back later. You know, after the game, after you've kind of settled down from the up or the down of, of the outcome of the game and just watch it and tell me if you're proud of yourself. Tell me if you would like to show your grandkids this video. So if there was nothing else surviving about you and, you know, your grandkids are trying to learn about who granddad was and this was the video that you showed, would they be proud of you? 
but they think you're a lunatic. So just think about that. Think about if somebody was sitting there watching you, if uh, a kid that you were mentoring, or maybe it's your son or your daughter, do you really want them to look at you and be like, man, my dad just, he loves sports. That's what defines who he is. And that's what defines every night. So number 13, don't let sports ruin your night. Number 12, this is one of my biggest bugaboos on everything on the planet. It's don't be late. Don't be late late. Here's the thing about being late. This shouldn't take very long, but who knows? This is again, one of my soapbox deals. You're not just a late person. That's not what being late is. When you're late and you're consistently late, what you are communicating to people is that their time is not nearly as important as yours. So I read this blog years and years and years ago. It was about this guy in Australia, but the the title of the blog caught my attention. It says, you're not late. You're rude and inconsiderate. So this was a guy who had a good buddy of his that was his dentist. And so every time he came in for his dental appointment, presumably every six months or so, um, his buddy would kind of push him back in the schedule. So he'd be sitting in the waiting room for an hour, hour and a half, two hours before he would get back there. And it was obvious that his buddy was pushing him back because he knew it was his friend and his friend wouldn't get mad. But here he is, he's having to take time off work and he's having to take additional time off work. He's having to stay late that day because his buddy just kept pushing him back. Because if you have a one o'clock appointment, you should be in the chair around one o'clock. That's kind of how it goes. And so he came into the office another time and he was going to be late again. Like he, he was there, he came in, but the dentist was going to push him back. The dentist was going to be late. And he finally tells the lady up front, he goes, no, I'm not going to wait. Actually, if you can give me all my files, I'm moving to another dentist today. And, you know, it kind of worked out, worked its way out from there. But the dentist actually came out and tried to stop his friend from leaving. But he goes, no, you've treated me like crap for the entire time that I've known you in this professional part of our relationship. You're never on time and, and you're wasting my time. You think your time is more valuable than mine, but I have a life too. I have places that I need to be. Because here's the thing about people that are always late. This is something where people just kind of look at it like, ah, you know, some people are late and some people are on time. But if I'm late to a meeting, If I'm five minutes late to a meeting and there are four other people in that meeting, I'm not five minutes late. I'm 20 minutes late. And some of you are like, well, that doesn't make any sense. There's four people waiting on me. They were all good human beings and they got in the room when they were supposed to. And so when I'm five minutes late, that's five times four. That is 20 minutes late. I've wasted 20 minutes of my company's time and 20 minutes of these people's lives because I I was just kind of late. And we're so casual about being late now, guys. But think about what that communicates to us and the people that are watching us. Uh, I was supposed to be somewhere at 2 and I just kind of rolled in at 2.15. I mean, think about the things. like So these people that that are late all the time, they're just a quote unquote late person. Those people are not late for the things that they find incredibly important. So I know people that are teachers, for instance, and you cannot in any type of a social gathering, you cannot get them to show up anywhere on time. There's there's no such thing as time. And don't get in talking to me about cultures and and different things and different backgrounds. We're not in the East where, you know, like if you live in the Middle East and you show up somewhere on time, that's considered rude. If you show up early, that's like insanely rude. People expect you to show up late, but we're not in the Middle East. We're in the West. We're in the West where time matters. Everything matters. But these individuals that are teachers, for instance, they're not rolling into first hour 10 minutes late. They're certainly not showing up to one of their classes after lunch 15 or 20 minutes late. That's really, really important. That's their job. And they care about those children that they're teaching. So it's amazing. They're all of a sudden on time. So there's no such thing as a guy that just runs late. Oh, I'm just kind of a late guy. No, you're rude. You're being a dick. 
That's, that's what that is. You're communicating to everybody that I knew what time I was supposed to be here. And I actively made a bunch of decisions before this time to not be here on time. My time's important. Your time is not important. So number 12, don't be late. All right. Number 11, stop looking at porn and jerking off. Yeah, I went there. I I promise we're going to do an entire episode about pornography and masturbation at some point. But I have this sneaking suspicion that the overwhelming majority of the guys listening to this podcast right now have an issue looking at pornography and masturbating. I mean, the the statistics on stuff like this are absolutely damning. So it's not like I'm going out on a limb here and saying like, oh, I didn't really realize that people were doing this. This is an addiction that people are not taking seriously enough. Because the thing I hear about pornography all the time is it's not hurting anybody. But, but let's dig into that statement a little bit, guys. If it's not hurting anybody, are you assuming that you know that every person that is part of the pornography industry, the men and the women, none of them are in pain? None of them are um, having issues in their lives where they had to get to the point where they had to have sex on film in order to make money, in order to survive? Are we assuming that the pornography you're looking at is the only pornography that's out there? Because guys, there's a lot of pornography out there that is incredibly brutal. And there are people that are kidnapped and forced into that type of a lifestyle. There's pornography out there where it's rape pornography. There's even pornography out there that, I mean, this is especially crazy that people are raped and murdered on film. And there are men around the country and around the world watching that and jerking off to it, right? They think it's awesome. It gets them off. Now, they didn't start there. They started with probably Playboy or, or just some, some magazine images, and then they moved into, into visual images, and then they kind of worked their way up and kept working their way to where they're wa- watching rape and murder porn. The, th- the thing about this, guys, is I've seen too many relationships and, and almost my own, I've talked about this a little bit, where pornography and masturbation almost ruined the marriage. It almost got to a point, because again, if we're going to use Jesus' standard, you know, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already had an affair with her. Because a lot of guys think, oh, you know, it's not like I'm going out cheating on my wife and doing all those things. Do you think that you just accidentally end up at that position? Or do you slowly work your way towards that? Well, and here's the other thing, guys. If you stop masturbating, you stop having a need to look at pornography. I mean, think about it in your life individually. How many times have you looked at porn and not jerked off? Think about it. Like if you stop the results, you're not going to need any of the things that lead to that result. So if you make a decision that you're going to stop masturbating, that's a tremendous way to stop looking at porn. And there's so many different things that we can go into this. And again, this entire podcast is not going to be about pornography, but you guys have to understand that this is an incredibly big thing that is having a tremendous effect on your brain. I'm going to give you guys a resource that I'm going to direct you to. It's called How Pornography Harms. And it's written by a guy that actually goes to my church. His name is John Fobert. And this is a fantastic book. This guy has his PhD, but he looked into the, the science behind what was happening in the brain when a man or a woman looks at pornography. And there's a lot of stories in there of people that were in the pornography industry or people that have been you know, majorly addicted to pornography. But this book is such an eye opener. It's on our book list, the 100 books every modern Christian man should read list on our website. But this book is so, so important because it lets you know that if you're one of those dummies out there saying that ah, pornography is just harmless, it's just kind of one of those things that you have no idea what the hell you're talking about. You have no clue whatsoever. Because here's the other thing, guys. If you can't get this in check, how can you assume that your kids will? 
The average age that a kid looks at pornography for the first time now is five years old. Five. I don't know what it was like for you guys. I didn't see porn when I was in kindergarten. I mean, you're sitting there, you're giving your kid an unlocked iPhone as their first phone at the age of five, six, or seven. You're expecting them to just, what, look at Mickey Mouse cartoons? To look up funny memes about cats or whatever? You're basically handing them something that is wiring their brain to be stimulated by images instead of people. So, for you, in 2019, make a decision from this exact moment. Stop it. Just stop. This has got a handle on most of you guys, even you casual users. Why do you end up using? You're medicating something. So, instead of just belaboring the point even further, you've got to read this book, How Pornography Harms. You've got to pick it up. And again, this year, number 11, stop looking at porn and jerking off. All right, guys, number 10, don't just think about it, do or say it. Don't just think about it, do or say it. So, I know a lot of guys that aren't nearly as dense as you might expect. So the thing with guys, and if you, if you listen to, you know, how guys are portrayed on television or in movies, just these dopey guys that never know anything and they don't know what's going on under their own nose. Most guys notice things. There are some guys that are pretty dense out there, but most guys notice things. So I know a lot of guys that will see their wife wearing a new blouse or a new pair of pants or something like that. And they think, wow, she looks really good today. And they leave that thought in their brain. They don't say it. They don't compliment their wife. They don't build her up in any way. They just kind of let it go in their brain and then just kind of flutter away into the ether. So there are other times as well where you're walking and maybe you're walking out to your car after you got through shopping at Target or something like that. And you see a, a, a lady that may, maybe is a little bit older and she's got a lot of groceries and it's not that she can't load up the groceries into her car, but maybe it's something where you can just offer, ma'am, uh, would you like if I, uh, would you mind if I unloaded your groceries for you? Would you mind if I load them into the car for you? Is that okay? She might say no, but you thought about it, but then you didn't do anything about it. You just, again, let the thought go into your brain and then flow out of your brain. So a lot of guys think these things. They think they should do something nice for the neighbor. They think that they should say the nice thing to their, their wife. They think they should encourage their son or daughter and build them up in a certain way. They think about these things, but then they don't end up doing it. And, and a lot, this kind of applies to a lot of the things on the list. They think about taking care of themselves. They think about stopping looking at pornography. They, they think about all these things, but then they don't do anything about it. So they end up just basically intellectually masturbating themselves where they're just like, oh, well, that would that would seem intellectually like it'd be a great idea. Well, yeah, you dope. That's why a lot of people in universities like that. You shouldn't look at them in terms of being a role model of their professor, especially if they've never done anything outside of the professorial role of their lives. These are people that get paid to think, not do. Most of these people haven't done anything. They're just thinking all day long. They're theorizing. That's why you see so many people tend to be on the left if they're on a college campus because their entire life is about, you know, considering utopia as opposed to creating utopia. Because when you try to create utopia, you realize utopia is not even possible, but let's see what we can do to get us as close as we can, right? So again, for you guys, this year, don't just think about these things. Number 10, don't just think about it, do it or say it. Number nine, don't assume that your goals will achieve themselves. So the thing about this one that I'm assuming is that you actually have written goals. 
And if you go back to episode three of this podcast, which I would absolutely encourage you to do so, it's called Manly Goal Setting. This podcast is mainly about how guys don't set goals, that we don't set written goals of any kind. We kind of have these nebulous goals kind of floating around in our brain, but at no point are we actually writing them down and actually working towards those things. So I'm assuming that you've already heard that podcast, that you've got your written goals for 2019, but here's the thing. Don't just assume your goals will achieve themselves, guys. I see this so often. I see this in business. I see this with with personal fitness. I see this with so many different things. We just assume it's going to work out. And if you're kind of naturally more optimistic in your personality, uh, we just assume that these things will all just work out. You know, we'll we'll convince ourselves via scripture that you know good, he's everything will work out because it's according to his purpose and he loves us and this is all great. And you'll kind of use those things as an excuse to be lazy and not work towards it. So the thing about certain goals is it is certainly possible for some of these goals to happen without a whole lot of input from you. So I know some guys that are in some sales environments where people desperately want the products that they provide, the products or the services that they, that they provide. So some of these guys are not terribly talented individuals. These are not guys that have good personalities. They, they don't necessarily work very hard. They're not very dutiful. They're just not very good at what they do. But lo and behold, they're in an, in an industry where people just need that. Maybe they sell you know drill bits or they sell pharmaceutical equipment or, or, or pills or whatever the thing might be. And if they need it in their market, they're just going to be able to sell it. So for some of those guys, the goals just kind of happen. They literally have to wake up in the morning and exist and they'll be fine. But for most of us, that's not our reality. We, we have to grind in, in a lot of different ways. And so for a lot of guys, we get to the end of the year. And I certainly had a little bit of that this year with my goals. You get to the end of the year and you look and you go, man, these, some of these goals were, were, were kind of stretching me, which is the whole point. You should have goals that stretch you, but they were totally attainable. And you look back on the last 12 months and you're like, man, I... I really could have checked these two boxes here. If I had just given a little bit of effort, if I'd had a little bit of planning, I could have made that happen. But it was just kind of one of those things that I assumed it would happen. And then it was March. Ah, you know, I got the rest of the year and then it was July and then it was October. And now the year's over and it's like, well, sh- crap, like none of this happened. Like none of this happened for me. And so again, sitting there assuming that this thing is just going to kind of take care of itself and it won't. So again, guys, let's focus on this. Number nine, don't assume that your goals will achieve themselves. Okay. Number eight, take male community seriously. So this is something that we talk about a lot on this podcast, but so many of you guys have a complete lack of male community in your lives. That the last time that you had male community was in college when you were in a fraternity or when you were on a sports team or played intramurals or you lived in a dormitory where all the guys on the on the hallway, you know, you would just kind of walk from room to room and play video games and watch movies and kind of do those different things. But here you are at the age of 30, 35, 45, 50, 60, whatever the thing is, and you don't have a whole lot of male friends. You know, you got your, your guys that you kind of see at church and your guys that you kind of see at work. And maybe you go out from time to time and have a few beers or come over for the game or something like that. But you don't have actual community. You're just doing stuff from time to time, which is not community. You're not known in those areas and with those people. And they don't know you. You don't know them either. You don't know anything. Y'all are just kind of hanging, Right. And if somebody comes in with a big cut on their face, there's a story. And you can be like, hey, what happened? You know what I mean? But you don't know them. You weren't part of their life. And you certainly can't be somebody that's going to adjust anything in their life for them. 
And so the thing about male community for most of you guys that you have to get through your head is that male community has to be cultivated. You know, we, we constantly talk about cultivating spiritual, mental, and physical resilience and all those different things. But at the end of the day, most of the time, there's no one else that's going to do the cultivation of the community for you. So I've got, like I talk about a lot of times, we've got a group of guys that get together on Sunday nights and uh, we meet at a gym and we work out, we train a little jujitsu, we do we do some different things. But the, the main point is not just about working out, even though that's a great ancillary benefit. The main point is that we're in community with one another and, and we are going over books, we're, we're talking through some very, very heavy subject matters a lot of times. And also, when things go wrong with the men in this group, we know about it. Like, we're, we're here and, and we know what's going on. In this last quarter of 2018, man, we had some serious, serious issues. Mostly marital issues. We had three or four guys whose marriages were seriously becoming on the brink of not existing anymore. For a myriad of different reasons. Every situation was like wholly different. But the thing was, is these guys were so thankful, emotionally thankful, that they had a group of guys that they could go to and and look to for, for guidance or for wisdom or for help, like tangible help. And for sometimes it's just, man, it's just good to be known. I'm in a group of a dozen guys that we just know what's going on. And all of us have our pockets of things that we're just not really talking to people about and we don't really share with them and we're embarrassed about. And yeah, I know all that. But the thing about it is we take this seriously and we do it every week. So if you meet up with a group of guys every year, like you you go out to, to, you know, I don't know, maybe you got some sort of tradition. Maybe you all get together and watch the Super Bowl every year and that's when you get the guys back together. Or maybe it's uh, the, the night before Thanksgiving and everyone's going out and having a good time and that's when everybody gets together. That's not community, guys. That's hanging out. And the thing is, the reason why it's not real community is because it's not consistent. Even if you meet once a quarter, you pick one big sporting event to to have everybody over for once a quarter, that's good, but it's not community. This is something that you have to do weekly at the minimum. Because if you think about it, over a year's time, let's say you take a couple of weeks off because most people are gone or maybe people are sick or it's a holiday or something like that. Say you take a couple of weeks off. That's getting together 50 times with a group of guys. You want to talk about iron sharpening iron? That's how that happens. You're getting together on a consistent basis. And so here's my encouragement to you guys that are not currently in male community. Start a male community. You, you, guy listening to this, you do it. Start it with the guys in your neighborhood or the guys in your Sunday school or the, the guys that are, that are at work or something. Start taking male community seriously because if you're not cultivating these relationships akin to some of the things we've talked about already, you're not going to just have it happen. It's not going to happen via osmosis. You're not just going to all of a sudden wake up one day and be like, man, I've got like 10 to 12 really, really solid male relationships in my life. Right? This isn't as easy as it was in high school, guys. All you did was have to join the basketball team. Boom, look there. You got 15 new friends. It's, it's just way different. And so guys are, are, are lonely. Guys are having issues with developing relationships in older age. And for the most part, it's their fault. If you are sitting here listening to this and you don't have any male friends, that's your fault. If you go out there and cultivate these relationships, some of them will grow and some of them will not. Think of it like, you know, you know, growing crops or something like that. You're going to have good years and bad years. You're going to have good relationships and bad relationships, but you're cultivating it. So again, guys, in 2019, number eight, take male community seriously. And here we go. Number seven, train jujitsu. 
Oh, God, I hear Kyle's going to talk about jiu-jitsu again. Yes, I'm going to talk about jiu-jitsu again, and I'm going to repeat some of the same things. So if you want to skip over this, don't, because maybe I'll say something accidentally that you haven't heard me say before about jiu-jitsu. Here's the thing about jiu-jitsu. Back in, like, the 80s and 90s, karate was the thing, right? There was a karate school popped up on, you know, in every street corner or something like that. But the thing about karate is it's good for community, it's good for discipline, but it's a crap fighting style. These roundhouse kicks do not work when you're on your back. Most fights end up on the ground. So from just a practical self-defense or understanding how to use your body to to neutralize a situation, it is a superior fighting style to just about anything that you can get your hands on in terms of training. Most guys, you know, don't have Krav Maga in their area or have any of these specific types of things with weapons retention and all that. Some of you guys, it's a little harder for you to get that information. But jujitsu is ubiquitous now. It is simply everywhere. Every major city and most minor cities have a jiu-jitsu school. That doesn't mean that they're all Atos or they're all, you know, Gracie Baja or something like that. But this is something where most of your communities have them. The thing about jiu-jitsu, guys, and I'll repeat this over and over. There's no better way that I can think of to both cultivate mental and physical resilience at the same time. There's a reason why nerds love jiu-jitsu. It's because jiu-jitsu is basically built for the little guy. Okay. So the Gracies, who really came up with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and kind of spread it out to the world, these are not especially large guys or especially athletic guys, right? Even some of the more athletic guys in in their families, they're not big guys. So this was a fighting style that is meant for somebody that is smaller to be able to subdue somebody that is bigger, to end a fight without killing somebody, or you certainly can end a fight by killing somebody using Jiu-Jitsu. But the thing about it, it brings about a certain level of discipline that in order to become good at jujitsu as an adult male, you've got to take care of your body. You've got to take care of your flexibility. You've got to have a good diet. You've got to train regularly. You've got to learn. You've got to take notes. You've got to do all those different things. So again, you're not really getting that playing beer league softball. Yeah, you're going to get out there and you're going to run around. You're going to, you're going to have a little fun and hang out with guys. But at the same time, you're not really taxing yourself mentally. I mean, if you played baseball your entire life growing up, there's nothing that's going to happen on a slow pitch softball field that's going to like surprise you, right? Like it's just not something that's going to happen. But jujitsu is an amazing fighting style. It's not going anywhere. It's constantly evolving and it's probably existent in your area. And there's a lot of guys too that maybe you don't, you honestly don't have it near you and you don't want to drive an hour and a half, two hours to go train jujitsu a few times a week. And I can understand that. But there's a lot of online universities that teach things. There's individual jiu-jitsu fighters that uh, have their own online uh, academies and things like that. Um, Keenan Cornelius is one of them. Uh, Atos, which is one of the best, if not the best, jiu-jitsu school on the planet out of San Diego. Um, these These are, they have an entire online academy that you can like start at white belt and kind of work your way. Now, again, there's nothing that can replace being with a group, being in a school, competing with other people, rolling and doing things live. But there are people that will drive. They'll make the drive once a week to go do the live rounds and do the rolling. But for the rest of the week, they're training online. You know, they're training in the bedroom or they get a mat and they stick it out in the garage and they're just working through moves. Maybe they get a dummy or they they get their wife out there. Maybe they they grab the neighbor and, you know, you're just kind of like figuring some moves out. But guys, you've got to train jujitsu this year. You have to try it. 
There's so many opportunities to do that. And again, if you're anywhere near the Oklahoma City area, hit me up. Like 100%. Hit me up on social media. Email me info at undaunted.life. Info at undaunted.life will get you plugged in. There's a lot of great schools in this area. And then I attend the Forge in Edmond. Uh, it's basically right smack dab in the middle of Edmond. So it's one of those things, guys, that you're going to continue hearing me say it. I know a lot of you guys listen to Joe Rogan. He constantly talks about it. A lot of you guys listen to Jocko Podcast. He constantly talks about it. There's something magical about jujitsu, guys, and that's like one of the easiest ways that I can say it. So you got to give it a go. Give it three months. Give it six months. And if you absolutely hate it, you can stop doing it. But try that out. Number seven, train jujitsu. All right, guys, number six. This one's easy. It's only one word. Read. You have to read in 2019. Again, I talk about this all the time because it's constantly frustrating to me. So many guys in my life don't read. They don't. Their reading essentially stops at the end of the tweet or at the end of the, the sports blog or at the end of the scores that they're checking out. They're not reading. I have so many friends. I've got friends that were like class marshals in, in college, right? Really, really smart guys. They haven't read a book since they graduated college. I know friends that have not read a book since they graduated high school. Okay. I've got a, I got a group of guys. Uh, we're, we're on a text string together. It's just me and two other guys. And these guys are related, but one of the guys, uh, texts me this week and he sent me a book recommendation. It actually looked like a really awesome book. So I added it to my book list for next year. One that I'm going to consider reading. And then I sent him a picture of my iBooks about in there were kind of the first four books on the screen that I was going to be reading next year. And so I was sharing that with him. And then the third guy on the text string sends a black picture, basically a blank picture saying, well, here's the books I'm going to read in 2019. (laughs) And I just, you know, he meant it to be funny. But the reality is, is this guy's not going to read a single thing in 2019. Here's a 30 plus year old guy who, you know, wants a family and wants to grow in business and do all these things and aspire to greatness. And he's not going to read a single thing this year. And I responded to him something kind of along the lines of, oh, I remember whenever it was really cool not to read anything. And then I turned 16, right? Because, you know, in high school, the person, the, the overzealous reader, the person that reads for fun, that's the nerd. That's the, the four eyes, the square, the whatever. Like, like it's just kind of one of those things that we look at that person differently. But look at it now. When you see someone now that doesn't read and they're proud of it, it's like, God, that person's a moron. What an idiot. Like, you have all of this information at the tip of your fingers, right? You can get it right there on your phone or run right down the street and grab a book from the bookstore or order it on Amazon and you're just leaving it? You don't read it all? I mean, because here's the thing, guys, is I'm fully aware. Some of you guys have young kids and growing businesses and all those different things. So the idea that you're going to be Brett McKay and read over 100 books every year, that's just not possible for you. And I've talked about it a lot with me. Go back to the podcast a couple of podcasts ago, the best books that I read in 2018. I read about 25, 30 books a year. According to like to a lot of people that I know, that is not very many. There are people that will read that in a quarter, right? Clearly. But the thing about it is, is if you're not reading at all, or if you're reading one or two books a year, you've got to ramp it up this year, guys. It's one of the easiest ways to cultivate mental resilience is to just read. 
Read books. Read books about subject matters that you're interested in. Read books about subject matters where the author is going to disagree with your point of view. This is one of the easiest things in the world. When you look at the, the all the statistics and all of the research that we have on dementia and Alzheimer's and any type of mental diseases, when people don't exercise their brains, their brains stop working on them. So certainly anecdotally, you could read a hundred books a year and then still get Alzheimer's and still have issues with your brain later in life. I get it, but it's not as direct a correlation as the people who literally do nothing with their brains at all. You know, their brain is firing a little bit while they're at work, but typically these people might be in a job where it's kind of, you know, sedentary and it's kind of just rote learning and it's the stuff they can just do it over and over and over. They're not constantly having to think through scenarios of how they're going to get better, how they're going to fix things, how to do things differently. Their brains just aren't taxed. Their brains are a muscle and they're not being worked out. They're not being exercised at all. So again, this is my encouragement to you guys. I've talked to guys this year. They're like, oh man, I can only read about four or five books a year. Double that. Double it. Guarantee you, you can make it happen. Read a little bit before you go to sleep. Again, this is why I'm a huge advocate for eBooks because it's on you constantly. So if you're in the doctor's office and your doctor's late, you know, kind of like we were talking about earlier, or your dentist or something like that, you might have 30 minutes, an hour of just sitting there. I mean, you can watch daytime television and want to shoot yourself because all that's on is the view or something like that. You can thumb through Newsweek and old Sports Illustrateds and old People magazines and stuff like that. Or you can read your book. It's it's way different because again, if you're if your book's just sitting there on your nightstand and you're in the doctor's office, that doesn't do you very well. That's why I love having my books on me at all times. And you can refer to them later and you can do your research and you can highlight and do all the things that you need to do. But if you're not reading this year, guys, what are you doing with your time? And please don't say fantasy baseball. Don't say fantasy basketball. Don't say fantasy football. Like those things are fun and they can be good when you're talking trash with your friends and all that. But if that's taking the place of fulfilling your brain and growing your intellect, really, come on guys, you got to be better than that. So number six in 2019, read. All right, guys, number five, stop being a dick to your wife. So I don't know that I really need to uh, expound on that, but let's just go ahead and, and launch in just a little bit. I know a lot of guys that love their wives but they treat them like absolute garbage. And there's a million reasons for that. Maybe they saw their dad do it. Maybe they didn't have a dad growing up. And so they just kind of look around at society and maybe that's what they surmise is a good way uh, to comport themselves and a good way to act going forward. But I know a lot of guys that take pleasure in kind of embarrassing their wives. They'll embarrass them in public. Um, they'll, they'll fight with each other in public. Um, they'll say kind of mean and, and snotty things and, and really, really rude things to their wife in public. Um, and the reason why I keep saying in public is because it's things that I see kind of on a semi-regular basis. Because I, I really, I think it's okay to be playful with your wife. To, you know, kind of rib back and forth. But again, your wife is not one of the guys, right? I mean, if you listen to Jocko podcast, you probably heard him talk about that a few times. That his wife, who's a Spartan wife, if you've ever seen one, she had to kind of tell Jocko at one point, Hey, Jocko, I'm not a team guy. I'm not one of the team guys. You can't talk to me and treat me the way that you treat them because they're, they're, they're razzing each other and busting each other's balls on a regular basis. And if you bring that same attitude home, that's not how you're supposed to treat your wife. And so for a lot of you guys, you just need to be a little bit more mindful with how you're talking to your spouse and especially how you treat her in front of others. Now it's, it's very, very important how you treat her at home and in the things that you're, you're able to do at home, especially if you have kids. But the thing is, is 
Typically, when a guy is being a dick to his wife, he's just kind of being lazy. He knew he could have been polite. He knew he could have been a little bit more sensitive. He knew he could have been a little bit more tender in that moment, but he was lazy. And so he just kind of just said whatever he needed to say. Roll your eyes when the dinner doesn't come out quite the way that you wanted it to. You know, complain or throw your hands up when something wasn't done the right way or wasn't done in the schedule that, that you wanted. I even had a guy recently, one of my good friends, super, super calm guy. You know, they were moving from, from one town to another and I was kind of helping him move some of the bigger stuff. And he had been out of town all week on business and he comes home and I was basically there when he came home for the first time. And let's just say they have a newborn. Let, let me throw that out there. Let's just say that the house wasn't in as moving order as he would have liked it. So as a guy, he could have walked in, seen that this place wasn't as packed up as he thought it should have been. But looking at his wife and his newborn could probably realize there was a reason for that, that she wasn't just sitting around with her thumb up her butt all week. She was probably trying to keep this little child alive, right? But this guy, my buddy who I've known forever, one of my best friends in the entire world, just kept saying over and over, man, I really wish, really wish you would have done all this. I really wish, uh, you know, every, in 10 minutes would go by, gosh, I really wish all this was uh, together so it would be easier to move because he was on a time crunch and all that. And I know that's where it was coming from. But man, I was like, dude, stop being a dick. Like, gosh, dude, she's keeping your kid alive. She's breastfeeding this thing. What are you doing? You were gone all week. Now you were doing something important too. You were building the family. You were, you were basically getting the money squared away and getting your, your, your job squared away and all those different things. But bro, like at the end of the day, like it's done. Like we're here now. Let's maximize the time that we have sitting in this house right now. Let's get things loaded up. So again, most of this is just being mindful. And I don't give you guys the same excuse that society is going to give you like, oh, you're just a dumb, brutish man. You're just a Neanderthal. No, you, you can be tender. You can be strong. You can be all those things all at once. But guys, number five, stop being a dick to your wife. All right, guys, number four, we're working our way all the way down to one. Number four, prioritize your wife over your kids. So these are back to back for a reason. Prioritize your wife over your kids. Almost everyone that I see prioritizes their kids over their wives. Almost 100% of the guys that I know that have families. And I understand why to a certain degree, because your kids are, they're just kind of dumb little humans that can kill themselves. And if you don't feed them, and water them like a plant. They're not going to grow. They, they need help with homework. They need help with life. They need help because they crap their pants. There's so many things that you have to do for them that you don't have to do for your spouse. And that's assuming that your spouses are healthy and, and don't need any special attention from you in terms of just basically caring for them um, physically. But the problem that happens and guys, this is as basic as basic gets. I'm not, I'm not exactly rewriting history here. But let's say you have three kids that are spread out over, over you know, a few years or something like that, and you spend your entirety of your life prioritizing your kids over your wife. 20, 25 years goes by, and the last kid is now in college or at least not living with you. And if I maybe should have put on here, if you have a kid that's 25 years or older still living at your house, you're doing this wrong. But let's just assume 20, 25 years go by, the last kid is in college or has moved away. Now what? It's just you and her, man. You've ignored her for the last 20, 25 years. You treated her like a roommate. You treated her like somebody who takes care of part of the household and you take care of the other part. 
you d- you've divided and conquered, which initially the first time you said it, y'all both laughed, but now 15, 20, 25 years later, it's your reality. You've been divided the entire time. This is an incredibly important thing, guys, because how many times have you seen it? Think about it in your personal life where a couple has raised kids. They were the perfect family. They had beautiful Christmas cards. But after the last kid left the house, they got divorced. Or it came out that he was having an affair. Maybe you were the guy that had the affair. Or maybe the wife did. I had a buddy here recently. It's it's a terrible story, but they moved out of state for this job and you know his his wife had cheated on him before and but the last kids out of the house and he found out that she was cheating on him again. And so multiple decades of marriage just up in smoke. And look, I'm not necessarily blaming the guy because I don't know every intricacy of that relationship, but I wonder if he was maybe ignoring her as he was growing the business and raising the kids. And she was seeking solace in the arms and in the bed of another man. Certainly possible. So the thing, guys, is if you're not prioritizing your wife over your kids, you also have to look at what is that communicating to your children? So I look at it this way. Um, Well, I had a buddy put it perfectly. I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast, but I thought it was absolutely perfect because he has four kids and something happened at the house. And I don't know if he had heard this somewhere else, but I'm just going to give this guy credit. But he had a bunch of kids that that were kind of like, you know, pulling on him. All his kids were like, daddy, daddy, I need this, daddy, I need that. While he was trying to have a conversation with his wife, right? Now they're at home. The four kids are kind of running around. They need them at different points, but he was having a conversation with his wife that he wanted to take care of by the time, you know, they needed to move on to the next thing. And so my buddy, and, and if you knew him, you would absolutely know this is how you would say it. He turned to the kid that was, that was yanking on him or whatever. And he goes, I need you to understand something. If you were drowning and your mom were drowning at the same time, I would jump in and save your mom. And you know what? To be honest, I would probably take my time to dry her off before I jump in and save you. Now, if you're like a six or seven year old kid, and you hear dad say that, think about how important that is. And some people will be like, oh my gosh, that's so inappropriate. Why would you say something like that? It's so mean. The kid's going to think he's not loved. No, 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 no. The kid's going to understand where he ranks. Because guess what? You are not going to be judged later in life by how you treated your children. Now, I'm not saying if, if you've been sinful toward your kids that, that that doesn't apply. What I'm talking about is when we are told about how Jesus feels about us, feels about the church, his bride. That's the context we're giving it in, in the, in the terms of a relationship. So like the closest thing that we can get to understanding the love of Jesus Christ in this world is how we are to love our brides, not our firstborns, not our middle child, not our babies, right? So you have to think about that. If you're, if you're prioritizing your kids over your wife, you're communicating, so, you're communicating so many things to them, to your spouse, to yourself, and also to God about what you're going to do later in life, how you're going to focus on certain things. So this does not mean ignore your kids. This does not mean do everything to the detriment of your kids in order for your wife to be comfortable. But to a certain degree, most of you guys need to make a huge shift. Everything in your life is surrounded. It, it basically revolves around your kid. It revolves around their activities and their needs, and you're leaving your wife hanging. And if she's a stud, she's going to stick around, but you can't expect her to continue to love you in the same way that she did when y'all met when you were 20. 
Things are just going to change, brother. So, number four, prioritize your wife over your kids. Guys, number three, be precise in your speech. And so if you've heard that before, obviously, I took the wording for that from Jordan Peterson. That is one of his 12 rules for life. Talked a lot about that book. We're not going to talk about that here. You guys should have read it by now. But the thing about it, most of the guys I know are not very precise in their speech. And so I'm going to give you a starter list of words that you should stop using immediately. Should, could, would, maybe, might, may, stuff like that. Stop it. Stop it with those. I've got a group of guys that literally, these are their favorite words. So if you say, hey guys, do you want to come over today at two o'clock and watch the game? Oh yeah, man, that, that should work. Oh yeah, I could, I could probably make it over there. Yeah, yeah, I might be able to do that. And I immediately have to respond and say, so are you coming or are you not? Because when you say that should work, that could work, yeah, I might be able to make it over there. Yeah, maybe that. At what point are you giving me an answer? This is a problem. This is like an epidemic problem with men. They're not precise in what they're saying because here's the thing. The other way I was thinking about wording this is say what you mean and mean what you say. So guys, if I tell you I'm going to be somewhere at two o'clock, by golly, I'm going to be there at two o'clock. Like at the latest, again, go back to the don't be late thing. I'm going to be early. I can count on one hand in the, in 2018, the times I was late to something on one hand. And these people knew I was going to be late before I got there. It wasn't like I was supposed to be there at two, two o'clock and here it is, you know, one fifty, and I know I'm 20 minutes away and then, oh, I'm just going to kind of let them figure it out whenever I'm not there at two o'clock. No, 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 no. It's like, Hey, I'm a crappy person. I didn't judge things properly with my time. I was a little bit late getting out of the house, whatever the excuse is. I'm going to be 10 minutes late. I am so, so sorry. I'm wasting 10 minutes of your life. I'm so sorry. Let me make it up to you sometime. But part of this is just kind of this general malaise and this relaxed nature when it comes to how we talk about things. Again, if someone asks you a direct question, you give them a direct answer. I mean, think about if the CEO of your company came to you and said, I've got this project. Let me describe it to you. Can you have it done by next Friday? Think about how they should respond. If you say, yeah, that should work. Yeah, I might be able to get to that. You know, maybe. Do you think the CEO, someone whose entire life is spent making sure that they can make payroll and grow the business is going to like any of those answers? And, And so guys, stop it. Be precise. When someone asks you a question, you put, you know, draw a line in the sand, you know, put your stake in the ground, put your flag in the ground, however you want to say it and be definitive in what you're going to say. Yes, I will have this done by next Friday at the latest, sir. Would it be possible, ma'am? Would it be possible if I got done with this a little bit sooner to go ahead and present that to you so that we can make some last minute changes before the deadline next Friday? Hot damn. Like that, that would be great. That'd be awesome. Talk about impressive. So again, think about being precise. You don't get any, any bonus points if you kind of leave things open. Cause I know some guys, they don't like to commit to going over to places or doing certain things. Cause they want to leave their options open. You know, they don't want to commit to coming over to your house to watch the fights or the whatever, because they might get invited by someone else that they like. They don't want to commit to this project because they might have another project come up. That's more interesting to them, whatever the thing might be, but guys just be precise. Be definitive, give an answer and stick by it. Number three, be precise in your speech. 
All right, guys, number two, we're only one away from the very, very top. Number two, and this one's incredibly, incredibly important, don't ignore your body. So many guys are not cultivating physical resilience. And the thing about it, I say it all the time, if you're not cultivating physical resilience, it's really, really easy to see, right? If someone's not mentally resilient, you can't really see that by looking at them. But you can literally see people's bad decisions all over their bodies. It's poking out of the bottom of their shirt right? You got guys walking around with boobs. It's like, you didn't get those because you took care of yourself. But when I'm talking about not ignoring your body, I am specifically talking about exercise, diet, and rest. Exercise, diet, and rest. So not to belabor the point any further, because I talked about this a lot on a lot of podcasts and the, the bigger, leaner, stronger podcasts and things like that. But guys, most of you are not exercising. And if you are exercising, you're not exercising consistently. And if you are exercising consistently, you're probably not working out very hard, right? So at the end of the day, how are you expecting for your body to be able to respond to extreme situations or even just situations that are normal later in life if you're not exercising, if you're not taking care of yourself and taking care of your muscles? I mean, let's also look at diet again to kind of go back to the thing I was talking about earlier. If you're not going to be exercising or dieting by February, just don't do it. Stay fat, stay lazy, stay eating garbage. Like, why would you make big changes that are going to cost you money for a week or two just to stop doing it in a few weeks? That's just useless. Just stay doing what you're doing. Because here's the thing. God gave you one body. His son died for that one body. It's the only one you get. And most of you guys don't give a crap. You don't take care of it. You treat it like everything else you do in your life. You treat it like a pair of shoes that you don't mind scuffing up. You treat it like a, like a vehicle that you don't really mind if a scratch is running down the side. It's, ah, you know, it's just your body. Maybe you're younger and your body's bounced back from a lot of different things. You haven't gotten to that age where you can't just bounce back from injuries or the doctor tells you, hey, you're going to have major, major issues if you don't have this surgery or if you don't start taking this pill. You could have avoided that meeting entirely if you had just been taking care of your body this entire time. Guys, I know it's a time commitment. I know it's a discipline commitment. I know that working out is really, really, really hard and uncomfortable. And guess what, guys? It doesn't really get easier. If you continue to push yourself, working out is always uncomfortable. I do not want to wake up early. I don't want to wake up at five or six in the morning and go out in my garage and lift weights, but I do it because I want to be strong. I want to make sure that I'm taking care of this body that God gave me as a gift. My body works. Look, I'm not six foot six and look like I was cut out of obsidian, like I'm not Giancarlo Stanton or anything like that. But the thing about it is, is I've got a body that works and it works pretty dang good. And I want to make sure it works this good for as long as possible. And so I just don't understand how most of you guys just ignore that. And you blame your families, you blame your business, you blame your boss, you blame all these people for why you can't take care of yourself. Again, I had a guy tell me, he's like, ah, you know, I kind of took off a five-year break from, uh, from uh, working out because I had to get those kids into school. It's like, really? You took five years off from taking care of yourself? Well, think of all the time you saved during that five-year period taking care of the kids and not really, you know, working out. But think about how many years you deleted off the end of your life, all things equal, assuming you don't get hit by a bus. You just delete time off the end to save a little bit of time now. And now when you start getting into working out, your body's not used to this. Your body got used to being sedentary, to basically sitting around doing nothing. That's what your body got used to. And now working out's really, really, really hard. I mean, I think about it this way. When you look at some of Muhammad Ali's later fights in his, in his career, he was taking huge 
time, huge, like, you know, swaths of time off from training. And his body just couldn't snap back the way that he thought it could. Like, so he was kind of out of shape and he was soft and he was slow and his feet didn't work the way that it needed to. His brain was there, but his body wasn't. And this was while he was fighting, not, not later in life when he was obviously having issues. So this is a guy who's one of the best athletes we've ever seen in United States history. I'm not exactly a fan of this guy because of some of his political stances and things like that. But from an athletic standpoint, the guy was absolutely incredible. And then he stopped taking care of himself. And his body said, all right, screw you, man. (laughs) Like, we're just going to do what we're going to do here now. So you can't assume that you're not going to be able to do this, that you can do the same thing and get a different result, guys. Like, that's not going to happen for you. And so the thing that's important for you guys is just don't go through a, a time period where you're forgetting about your body. Again, this is don't ignore your body. Because here's the thing, I've even got some people that are really, really close to me that have had like tummy tucks and lap band surgeries and stuff like that. For the most part, those surgeries are not meant for people that are just a hundred or a couple hundred pounds overweight. These are for people that are huge, five, six, seven hundred pound people that literally cannot get up and walk. These are people that cannot exercise. They literally have to shrink the size of their stomach in order for these people to lose weight so that they can survive. So these people that are just a little bit overweight and they go the easy route, they go the medical route, you're, you're skinnier. You certainly will end up skinnier, but you're not healthy. Your body needs nutrients and the, you can't get these nutrients now because you can't take enough good nutritious food into your bodies. Now you're going to get a lot of people liking your posts on Facebook. Oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you. Look how skinny you are, but you didn't do that. Your doctor did. How many, how many of you guys are on your way to that right now? You're about 50 pounds overweight right now. So you can either come back towards the mean, come back towards where you're not out of shape and not overweight, or you're going to work your way up to a hundred. But do you assume that you're going to stop when you're a hundred pounds overweight? No, you're probably going to keep going. And for most guys, it takes a doctor basically telling you, Hey, you're not going to be able to live very long. Do you want to be around for your kids' weddings? And sometimes that's going to work, but for a lot of you, ah, the Doritos are just too good. The couch is just too comfortable. I mean, what does it have to take for you to take your body seriously? And the other thing is sleep. I know a lot of guys that they kind of exercise, they kind of take care of their diet, but they don't rest. I mean, the science is so unbelievably clear. You need at least seven hours of sleep, guys. All you brutes out there thinking, oh, I can make it on four or five, six hours a night. Like that's not going to work for you. There's so many things happening inside of you and even within your brain cognitively that is not helping. That's not really working out well if you're not taking care of yourself and you're not sleeping, you're not resting. You're not getting naps in or or whatever you need to do. You're constantly thinking of ways that you can squeeze more things into your life and to the detriment of your rest. And then I know a lot of guys that are on the other side of the spectrum, they exercise all the time and they never take weeks off. You know, these are guys that are just super durable. They never get injured, those types of things. And they work out six days a week, seven days a week, and they never take a rest. That's not good either. That's ignoring your body to a different degree. You have to give yourself some time to rest and some time to recuperate and, and be able to, to build back up and get strong again. So again, guys, I've, I've went into this point quite a bit, but so many of you are failing in this area. And so many people will talk to you and they'll use kid gloves and they'll be like, oh, it's okay, man, I understand you're busy. Gosh, it's just hard to get in the gym sometimes, right? Make changes. If it's hard for you to get to the gym, bring the gym to yourself. Do you understand how many things you can do with your, your body and mother earth 
Do pull-ups on a tree. Do push-ups outside. Grab rocks or logs and throw them around. You don't need a gym membership. You certainly don't need a CrossFit gym membership. Two, three hundred dollars a month to go sweat in your headbands with a bunch of other people. Come on. You don't need that. If you do it, fine. I'm not telling you it's a bad deal. But at the same time, some of you guys, that's going to be your excuse for stopping working out because you can't afford it anymore. Or the gym's too far away. Stop with the excuses. Most of you have an extra room in your house. Most of you have a third bay of your garage or you've only parked one car in the garage as it is. So clear out the garage and make yourself a little workout space. What is the problem? I don't understand. Every time a guy tells me he doesn't have time to work out, it is a gigantic excuse. And if I sat down with him with a piece of paper and we mapped out his day, I guarantee you I could find 30 minutes in his day so he could take care of his body. It's enough, guys. Enough. This is absurd. I'm tired of walking into churches and seeing all these doughboy Christians. I'm tired of it. We should be taking care of our bodies better than everybody else. That doesn't mean we're going to be Instagram models. It doesn't mean people are going to be coming to us for our advice. But enough. Start taking care of yourself. You're the only one that can do it. Your wife can't hope her way into you being in shape. Your kids can't hope that you start taking care of yourself so that they can be around for you. That you will get to meet the grandkids. What's the excuse, guys? If you have a good excuse, shoot it to me. A good excuse for why you don't take care of your bodies. I won't be surprised when I don't get any responses. Number two, don't ignore your body. All right, guys, let's go ahead and repeat this list back to you. I'm going to go ahead and before we reveal the number one tip for a way that you can avoid being a crappy man in 2019. So here we go. Number 15, don't pretend you know about something that you don't. Number 14, don't cancel on people last minute. Number 13, don't let sports ruin your night. Number 12, don't be late. Number 11, stop looking at porn and jerking off. Number 10, don't just think about it, do slash say it. Number nine, don't assume that your goals will achieve themselves. Number eight, take male community seriously. Number seven, train jujitsu. Number six, read. Number five, stop being a dick to your wife. Number four, prioritize your wife over your kids. Number three, Be precise in your speech. And number two, don't ignore your body. So the number one tip for you guys to help you avoid being a crappy man in 2019 is get in the Bible every day. Get in the Bible every day. So I wanted to let you know why I worded it this way, because I very specifically use the word get as opposed to the word read, right? Get in the Bible as opposed to read the Bible, because here's the deal. I know guys that read the Bible that are getting nothing from it. So they're doing the, you know, Bible in a year or something like that. Or uh, they have the daily email that you can get from version or something like that. That gives you this little uh, bite-sized little scripture that you can take in fairly easily or something like that. But they're not really getting anything out of it. They're not developing. They're not studying. But they feel like they're getting credit because they're reading the Bible. Again, if you're reading the Bible in the year, I'm certainly not saying that's a bad idea, but if you're just kind of like buzzing through it, are you really getting a lot out of it? That's something you have to ask yourself. And again, the consistency of being in the word every day. One thing that I feel like is very interesting is that modern Christians have more access to the scriptures than at any other time in the history of the planet. I can literally open up my phone right now and in version, 
There are hundreds of different languages and hundreds of different versions of the Bible right there. Literally have no excuses. So we don't have to wait for the piece of the scroll or the parchment to get to our house. Like we don't have to wait for someone to give our Bible back to us because we loaned out our only copy, right? Well, we're, none of us, listen, none of you guys listening to this right now are in that situation. And I completely understand that. But the reason why most people aren't getting enough of the Bible in is they're either letting their pastor take care of it for them. So whatever type of church you go to, you're letting that be the only scripture reading for the week. And that just kind of takes care of you until next Sunday. Or you're doing the little coffee cup, uh, you know, tweet a day, you know, scripture a day type stuff where it's like, okay, it sounds really good. It it would look good on a bumper sticker on a t-shirt, but it's not really doing anything to change your life. You're not getting any context. You're certainly not listening to any other podcasts or uh, taking in any other material that's going to take that scripture and actually bring it to life and give you an understanding of where that information came from and why it's important. But guys, if we're not getting in the Bible every day, again, akin to some of the things that we've talked about earlier, how are we going to be getting the scripture? How are we going to be getting the understanding of the things that we should be doing as Christians based on what the Bible is telling us? To a certain degree, I feel like there's a lot of guys that are just not taking the Bible seriously. Like, like think about it. If you honestly believe that the Bible is the word of God, the omniscient, omnipresent, omni-everything, everywhere at all times God that created everything, including you, you dope. If this is his way of communicating directly to humanity and you take that seriously, then why aren't you reading it? Why aren't you getting into it? And guys, I'm talking to me too. I'm not in the Bible every day. So a lot of these things, like, don't assume that I've, I've got everything on this list just checked off and on lock. Like, I don't. And this is one of those areas that I certainly was weak in in 2018. You know, I'm taking in all these podcasts, I'm taking in all these other books and all this other material that I think is good, but I wasn't digging in as much as I should have been. And the thing is, is there's no excuses for that. And there's no good reasons for why you would operate that way. And so guys, for this year, if you don't do anything else, which I certainly am going to recommend that you do all 15 of the things that we talked about today, but you've got to find a way to get in the Bible every day. If you're in a community of guys, make sure that you can, you know, allow that to grow into something where you're maybe potentially talking about the Bible every day. There's a guy in our Sunday school that is starting like a separate, a separate text string with guys that are wanting to be in the Bible every day to where they can kind of have a narrative and a discussion about what they feel like they're learning what they feel like they're developing and how they feel like how they feel like things are um, being communicated to them through the scriptures. That's a great way of doing it. Again, YouVersion has tons of Bible apps. I'm going to give you all the links to ours. So some of y'all haven't read our uh, devotionals yet uh, inside the Bible app, inside the YouVersion Bible app. So if you don't have that, go to the Apple uh, Apple Store or Google Play or whatever the thing is and download YouVersion. I think it's been downloaded close to half a billion times. Um, but we have two devotionals on there. One's called A Man's Devotional. So just search Undaunted Life, A Man's Devotional. That's our 21-day men's devotional. And then the other one is Undaunted Life and Undaunted Marriage. And so that's our five-day marriage devotional. Those would be great places for you to start. 
I mean, certainly you can you can go about a, a billion other places, but a lot of the men's uh, materials on there kind of suck. And so uh, I wouldn't necessarily advocate that you start with a lot of the men's devotionals on there because they're just boo boo. They're not they're just not very good. And so start with ours and then develop uh, a way and a, and a habit of getting into that, guys. Uh, there's just not really a better way that I can put that for you. Maybe you're a journaler, buy a journal Bible, right? One of the things that I'm excited about when we, when we start to have kids is, you know, getting a journal Bible and writing things in the margins and, you know, saving that and giving that to the kid when they're 18. And like, here's all the things that I was thinking about when I was reading scripture, when I was thinking about you, just whatever way you got to do to motivate yourself to do that, to, to gain the discipline, to do those things. That's what you should do. So the number one tip for this year, get in the Bible every day. So guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We really do appreciate it. Before we let you out of here, we're going to give you a quick resilience boost. All right. As you know, by now we are a men's ministry and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. Specifically, we do that by providing content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. So today we're going to help you on the mental resilience side. And so I'm going to go over those three things that we've already talked about that we wanted to give you. So I'm going to give you a link to the book, How Pornography Harms by John Fobert. So it's one that you should definitely pick up. It is available on eVersions as well. So wherever you guys get the eVersions, versions. You can look for it there. Also, I gave you a link to our 21 day men's devotional, a man's devotional and our five day marriage devotional and undaunted marriage. So all that stuff is there for you. So you can kind of kick off the new year. So again, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google play and refer your friends to listen and share this on social media. If you use the hashtag undaunted life, we will be sure to find the post and give it a thumbs up. Guys, if we deserve a five-star review, please leave us those. We're still currently five-star reviewed on iTunes, so please leave us those and leave us a couple of sentences to let us know why you enjoy the material. I'm currently booking speaking engagements for the entirety of 2019, so if you want me to come speak to your camp, to your men's event, to your team, to your company, whatever, hit me up, email at, it's info at undaunted.life, info at undaunted.life. Our website is www.undaunted.life, and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at undauntedlife or facebook.com backslash undaunted life. Check out our free devotionals on the YouVersion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans and we got the links above. And also, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro-outro track on this podcast is their song King of Sorrow, which is off their latest record entitled Phantom Anthem. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep cultivating manly resilience, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness, Keep seeking the Lion of Judah.